we read in 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 and 5, now there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit, and there are diversities of administrations, but the same Lord. And in verse 27, Now ye are the body of Christ, and members in particular. These and many other passages of Holy Writ are the basis of the instruction in Lord's Day 21, the question and answer 55, which we chose especially because it's preparatory service too. What do you understand by the communion of saints? First, uh, that all and everyone who believes uh, being member of Christ are in common partakers of him and of all his riches and gifts. Secondly, that everyone must know it to be his duty readily and cheerfully to employ his gifts for the advantage and salvation of other members. I believe the communion of saints that is the article of our apostolic faith that is explained in this question and answer. And therefore, beloved, we speak on this subject, the communion of saints. And first of all, discuss its objective reality and secondly its practical application its objective reality and its practical application uh, but it stands to reason uh, that we must necessarily refer a moment to the preceding question and answer that speaks of the Holy Catholic Church. Without the Church, there is no communion. And without the Church, there are no saints. 
And therefore, apart from the church, we cannot speak of communion of saints. Understand that last Sunday, the question of the church was explained to you, and uh, that it was rather left open whether or not I would continue the discussion. I prefer not to do so, uh, but I'll nevertheless for a moment review uh, that 54th question and answer of the Heidelberg Catechism. Uh, the question concerning the church, beloved, is very, very important. We as Reformed churches emphasize, of course, the importance of election and the importance of God's sovereign grace. Uh, personally, I think sometime uh, that the question about the church is more fundamental and more important yet because while election and reprobation are held by others, the question concerning the church is more distorted than any other question today. You know, if the church had been understood, the statements that were condemned by our consistory and by our classes, namely that God promises every one of you salvation if you believe, and that our act of conversion is a prerequisite to enter the kingdom of heaven could never have been made. It's fundamentally a question of the church, which, of course, implies the doctrine of election and reprobation. If we believe, beloved, even as we pray this morning, if we believe that the church is the gathering of believers and their children, if we believe that our little ones are sanctified in Christ as we confess 
in baptism. If we believe that we and our children that are conceived and born in sin nevertheless are redeemed and sanctified by the blood of Christ are adopted as God's children and heirs we and our little ones then I like to know how anyone having that church in mind can say to that church God promises every one of you if you believe I like to know how anyone could ever say to that church believers and their spiritual seed that have entered into the kingdom of God as we confess in baptism our act of conversion is a prerequisite to enter into that kingdom and therefore I often believe beloved uh, that the question concerning the church is fundamentally more important, if possible, more important yet than the mere question of election and reprobation. Besides, we believe, of course, that the church is the body of Christ an organism not a crowd not a human society not a multitude of individuals but a very definite body a very definite organism and we believe that that organism of the church that organism of the body of Christ is taken out of the organism of the human race the human race is also an organism a natural organism but the body of Christ is a spiritual organism and that spiritual organism has so been designed that it could be taken out of the natural organism of the human race it just as the meat is taken out of the shell of a nut. So the organism of the church is taken out of the shell of the human race. And 
we believe that's all implied in the confession concerning the church that that being taken out that separation from the shell of the human race is determined and takes place according to God's everlasting counsel of election. Therefore, you cannot speak of the church in the proper sense of the word unless you speak of election. God's election from before the foundation of the world and his reprobation from the, before the foundation of the world is the determining cause of the church, not only, but also the determining cause of the separation of the church from the reprobate shell. That's all implied in the doctrine of the church. Moreover, according to the catechism, the church has not only a determining cause in the doctrine of election, but also has a mediating cause in the Son of God become flesh according to the counsel of God. It's the Son of God that in his blood and through his resurrection established the basis, the foundation of the church. And it is the same Son of God that gathers the elect from the organism of the human race into the organism of the body. Again, you can never speak of the church, but you must speak of election and reprobation. Moreover, the Son of God not only made and established the foundation of the church in his blood and resurrection, but he also gathers the church from the midst of the world and does so by what I would call the realizing cause of the church. That realizing cause is the Holy Spirit. It is the Spirit that realizes all the blessings of salvation in the elect. It is He that regenerates and gives unto the members of the body of Christ life, immortal life. It is He that effectually calls 
It is he that justifies, sanctifies, and preserves even unto the end. And so, and only so, I can confess with the Heidelberg Catechism that I am and forever shall remain a living member of that church. Let that in brief. And that, beloved, is very closely related and connected with uh, the doctrine of the communion of saints. I say we must, first of all, understand that the communion of saints is an objective reality apart from what we do, apart from the question whether or not we exercise the communion of saints. That is very important, beloved, very important to understand the article of our confession, I believe in holy Catholic Church, and I believe the communion of saints. Understand that. Just as I say, I believe in God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and therefore mean to say God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, is, apart from whether I confess him or not, I believe in Jesus Christ, his only begotten Son, our Lord, conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, crucified, uh, suffered on the Pontius Pilate, crucified, dead and buried, raised and exalted in the heavens. I mean that that Jesus Christ is, apart from the question whether I believe in him or not, that is objective reality. So I confess, I believe, unholy Catholic Church, and I mean thereby that church exists, whether I join it or not, it is. Doesn't depend on me whether that church exists, doesn't depend on the will of man, it doesn't depend on my effort to gather the church. The church exists and exists because God causes that church to be. So, in the same sense, I, I say, I believe the communion of saints. That does not mean, beloved, I believe in the communion of saints. It does not mean I believe that we must love one another. That's all true. No question about that. 
I believe uh, that we must help one another, perfectly true. I believe that we must employ our gifts for the benefit of one another, perfectly true. But all that is not the same as saying, I believe the communion of saints. That communion of saints exists regardless of what I do. And therefore, we must ask the question, what is the communion of saints? What is it? At that, beloved, I would answer in a five-fold way, I think. And I'll try to explain uh, the different elements of this five-fold answer. The communion of saints is principally a communion of Christ. Without Christ, there is no communion, and certainly no communion of saints. In the second place, it is a communion of spiritual nature, the communion of saints is a communion of spiritual nature. In the third place, it is a communion of life, of distinctive life. In the fourth place, it is a communion of love. And in the fifth place, it is a communion of spiritual gifts. Let me repeat that. A communion of Christ. A communion of spiritual nature. A communion of life. A communion of love. And a communion of gifts. That is the communion of saints. Apart from the question whether we live from that communion or not. It's a communion of Christ, of course. That is emphasized in all scripture. Christ is the head. Christ is divine. We are members of the body of Christ, who is the head. Without the head, there would be no body. Without the vine, there will be no branches. It is because we are in 
Christ. And because we are in Christ as a body, or because we are in Christ as the branches of the vine, uh, that there is a communion of saints. Christ determines the communion of saints. Christ is all in the communion of saints. Therefore, I said in the second place, that the communion of saints is a communion of spiritual nature. Just as the human race is a communion of nature in Adam, of natural nature if I may say so. So the communion of saints is a communion of spiritual nature. Just as every single member of the human race partakes of the original nature in Adam and partakes also of the nature as it was plunged into sin in Adam. So the communion of saints means that every member of the body of Christ every member of the church partakes of his spiritual nature. We are like Christ, spiritually. We're like him, just as we are like Adam, naturally. So we are like Christ, spiritually. The Apostle Peter even expresses very strongly, boldly, I almost would say, this truth by saying that we in Christ partake of the divine nature. We are partakers of the divine nature. Very bold expression, but nevertheless, True, if you remember uh, that we partake of the divine nature only spiritually and not essentially. We partake of the nature of Christ in the sense that as Christ is the highest revelation of the image 
of God. So we, in Christ, receive and reveal and manifest the image of God in the highest possible human sense of the word. Now, in our sinful nature, and in our earthly body presently, however, in everlasting perfection, we will be like Christ because we are conformed according to his image that all belongs to the communion of saints. For, beloved, don't forget, we speak of a communion of saints. Saints are holy. Very holy. As in the communion of saints, we're holy. Don't don't be afraid to confess that. We are. We're holy, of course, not because of our present nature. We're holy exactly because we partake of the nature of Christ. And we partake of the nature of Christ, not because we partake of it, but because Christ gave us his nature. That's why we're holy. We partake of it not because we take it. We partake of it because it is the one body, and in the one body is the one spirit, and that one body has the one head, and that one spirit comes from the one head, and lives in the body. The communion of saints is the communion in Christ, and therefore it is a communion of spiritual nature as saints in Christ Jesus. Therefore, it is a communion of life. Life. Once more, as in Adam... We are partakers of death, not of life. So, in Christ, we are partakers of life. As in Adam, we are partakers of death because we are members of the human race of which Adam is the natural head. So in Christ we partake of life because Christ is the living Lord raised from the dead with immortal life. And therefore, the life we have is not only distinct from our natural life, is not only distinct from sin for life, but is distinct also in this sense that it is everlasting. It's immortal and it is heavenly. The communion of saints is the communion of immortal 
heavenly life. That is what we confess, beloved. We confess that also when we come to the Lord's table. Don't forget that. We come to the Lord's table and the communion of saints. In no other way. At the Lord's table, we confess that all our life and all our nature and all our gifts are in Christ, and that we have nothing of ourselves in Christ only, and that these gifts of Christ are all based on the blood uh, that is shed for us on Calvary. That's the uh, table of communion. That's why, that's why it is called the table of communion. It's the communion of Christ, and through Christ the communion with God. That is the communion of life. And therefore, it is the communion of love. Communion of love. We must not say, beloved, oh, we must say that, all right, because of our sinful nature. That monition, that monition is very appropriate, very proper. Let us love one another and love one another perfectly all right. We'll never say that in heaven anymore. But here we must because of our sinful and hateful nature. But, beloved, uh, that is nonsense unless we first say we love one another. Don't you see that? Don't you see? It's nonsense to say, let us love, if there is no love. That's nonsense. And therefore, we must first say, I believe the communion of saints. And I believe that that communion of saints is a communion of a common love. Love, love of God, that is, love wherewith God loved us, not first of all, our love to God, love wherewith God loved us, love which he has revealed in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ, in the death of his son, that love. Love which he hath shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Spirit which he has given unto us. So that we may know that he loves us. That love. Love is of God, beloved, not of us. And then, when we first confess that the communion of saints is the love of God, wherewith God loved us, the love which he revealed in the death of his son, the love which he shed abroad in our hearts 
by the Holy Spirit which he has given us. When we have confessed that, we can say, therefore, the fruit of that love of God is that I love God. And then, I love those that love God. I love the saints. I love the brethren. The communion of saints is a communion of love. Is that, beloved? Is that? And so, it is a communion of gifts. Communion of spiritual gifts. And remember, those spiritual gifts we can distinguish. The common gifts and the special gifts. All come from Christ in the communion of saints. To the common gifts belong those spiritual gifts that every saint confesses. Possesses. Every saint possesses. To the common gifts belong such spiritual gifts as regeneration. We all are regenerated. In the communion of saints. Those that are not regenerated are outside of the communion of saints. That's not up to us. I cannot even invite you to be regenerated. That's impossible. And therefore I say, to the common gifts in the communion of saints belongs the wondrous gifts of regeneration by which we are quickened into holy immortal life. To the common gifts belong the forgiveness of sins. That above all, beloved, is in this life the gift and the communion of saints. I sometimes think that is the most important gift we have after all in this life. Justification, forgiveness. Because we're not in heaven. We're on the earth. On the earth. In our sinful nature. In our sinful corrupt body. In our sinful corrupt soul. And we have but a small beginning of that regenerated life 
of the new obedience. Therefore, beloved, I would almost say what ought to stand emphatically before the consciousness of the communion of saints in this world, not in heaven, but in this world, is the unspeakable gift of the forgiveness of sins. Of that, you and I have daily need more than anything else we do. And that too is the reason why this particular question and answer of Lord's Day 21 is so applicable to the Lord's Supper. We come to the Lord's table in the faith that we have the forgiveness of sins in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And with the desire through the sacraments, through the eating of the bread and drinking of the wine, to be strengthened in that faith of the forgiveness of sins. We need that. We need that very much. We need that every day. May God give us grace on the next Sabbath day to come in that consciousness of the communion of saints and the blessing of the forgiveness of sins to the table of the Lord. The blessing of justification, the blessing of sanctification, the blessing of preservation, the blessing of perseverance is all, and finally the blessing of glorification is all the common blessing of the church. But there are other blessings too, beloved. The apostle says that in this chapter. Different blessings. Blessings of prophecy. That's not common. At least it's not common in exactly the same degree. In, in a way, we're all prophets. But we're not all preachers of the word, as I am. That doesn't mean that I have to boast anything. I preach in the communion of saints. That's all. Nothing to boast, as I'll explain presently. There's a blessing of consolation. There's the blessing of the helping of the sick. The blessing of serving in the church, the blessing of the deaconate, the blessing of elders, the blessing of wisdom, the blessing of understanding, the blessing of leading a society. Not everyone can lead a society, nothing to be proud of, not at all. We're in the communion of saints. 
All these gifts are common and special, but even in their special nature they are common because they are gifts in the body of Christ, beloved. That's why they are, after all, common. That's the practical significance of the confession. I believe in the communion of sin. One of the elements of the practical significance of this confession is exactly that. Let me say the practical significance of the truth of the communion of saints is threefold. It means, beloved, in the first place, that we love one another with the love of God in Christ Jesus. It means, in the second place, that we employ our gifts in the communion of saints diligently, as the Catechism expresses it here too. And it means, in the third place, that in the communion of saints, we esteem one another. And the rightful place as members of the body. That stands to reason. We love one another. That's fair. I, I said a moment ago, we cannot say we love one another unless there is love. But now we do. Shall we say that once together, beloved? Uh, not, uh, it's not superfluous to say that once. You know, that's one reason why I, at least, I'm glad I'm out of the corruption. We love one another in the communion of saints, not otherwise. We don't love one another because we're just nice people. We don't love one another socially. We don't love one another because we have nice banquets. That's not the idea. We love one another as saints. That's all. Not in any other way. And therefore, beloved, that's very delicate. That's very delicate. We experienced that, did we? We love one another in the truth. 
Not in any other way. We cannot love one another except in the truth. And that's why I, for the last years, did not live anymore in the communion of saints in that corruption. I couldn't. Couldn't breathe. Now we can. That's the trouble. That's the trouble. It not make any difference, beloved. It make oh, it makes very little difference to me. Whether we ever get that pile of brick again or not. We have a right to it. But no, no. Uh, don't set your heart in it. Makes no difference to me. But we have the communion of saints again. That's better. And therefore, beloved, we can say and we must say, let us love one another. Don't say, we love one another, and that's sufficient. That will be sufficient in heaven. It will not be sufficient here, beloved, because of our sin. Watch out. Let us love one another. That means let us fight against the hatred in our natural body and soul. Secondly, the communion of saints as the practical implication that we ascertain what particular peculiar gifts God has given to each one of us and that then we employ those gifts according to the position God gives us in the communion of saints. That's a beautiful figure there in the chapter. You know, if we are an eye, we must not want to want to be the foot. Must want to be the foot. If we are a little pinky, we mustn't want to be the ear. Not because that pinky is not important, it is a member of the body. But remember that whether we are an eye, that's the beauty of the communion of saints. Whether we are an eye or a foot, or a pinky, or an ear, or a nose, makes no difference. We are absolutely nothing outside of the body. Take my eye out. What is it? It's nothing. I see, not my eye sees. 
I hear, not my ear hears. Cut my ear off or make me deaf. What is it? My ear is nothing. I walk. Not my legs walk. Only when my legs are members of the body do I walk and the legs themselves cannot walk. Don't you see? That's also true in the communion of saints. Don't forget that. We all of Christ. Christ. Christ is all. Be not. And therefore, beloved, we must give diligence to ascertain what place we have we must not hide our talents. Don't say, oh, I, I have nothing. Maybe, maybe you're going to serve coffee at a banquet. That's all right. That's all right. Maybe you can lead a society. Maybe you, you can partake in the discussion of a society. Maybe you can visit the sick. Maybe you can be elder or deacon. All right. Makes no difference. The apostle says, Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Are all workers of miracles? Of course not. Makes no difference. We're all of the body. That's the important point. All of the body. We must employ our gifts, ascertain what place we have, and then Work in the communion of saints with the gifts God bestows upon us in that communion. That's why, in the third place, we esteem one another in that communion. Esteem one another. We have nothing to boast. Nothing to boast. If the eye sees, beloved, it, it could boast. But the eye does not see, apart from the body. If the foot walked, it could, it could boast, but not now. It doesn't walk apart from the body. If the ear could hear, it could boast, but not now. It's nothing apart from the body. And therefore, we esteem one another in the first place because we have nothing of ourselves. And secondly, we have nothing by ourselves. Nothing by ourselves. We have nothing apart from the communion of saints. And therefore, no matter what position we occupy, we esteem one another. Esteem one, another, one another's gifts bestowed by Christ upon us as members of the body of Christ. That's the end. Thus, 
Beloved, let's come to the Lord's table. Seeking, seeking the forgiveness of sins in the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. Seeking to be strengthened in our love, the love of God and the love of Christ, the love of us to God and the love of us to one another, in the communion of saints. Seeking to be strengthened in the high esteem which we have one to another as members of the body of Christ Jesus our Lord, then we shall surely have a blessing. Amen. Thanks, O Lord, for thy word. Forgive our sins. Sanctify thy word unto us that we may really live in the communion of saints in the way of thy truth, for Jesus' sake. Amen.